0: Welcome to episode 205 of Redboard Rewind. My name is Spencer Luganbiel, and today my special guest is In The Money Media's very own Dean Kepler. Me and Dean go over three races from this past Saturday at Santa Anita. Those races were 2, 3, and 6. And some angles that we talk about are how important trainer angles are to your in-and-out handicapping process, and also, in some races, when a horse wins that you couldn't have found in a million years... It's okay to just be okay with losing that one race. This is Red Board Rewind. my special guest for this week's edition of Redboard Rewind, had him on the show previous. He is a DRF book author. He did training angles, maximizing profits, using formula and advanced training stats. It's Dean Kepler. Dean, how are you?
1: Spencer, how's it going? It's been a while. Uh, Good to be back on.
0: Excited to have you on. Excited to kind of, you know, I say go back to my roots, obviously, being from New York, you know, grew up with Naira, but started doing the public handicapping with you know, Scott Shapiro and that doing Santanita, and it was always funny. I talk about it with my father, who's another big-time horse player, and he goes, you know, for how much effort you put in an iron and then ending up on Southern California, it was probably kind of a lot of whiplash, and for me it was. But having so many great books out there and just ideas where we can start talking about stuff, training angles. Obviously, Santanita's just underway only a couple of weeks into the meet. For you, with not having that much data, are you someone that kind of goes off – the previous meets data of Santa Anita seeing who started off hot last year, or is it kind of who was hot and cold coming out of Del Mar? Where do you kind of lead into these first few weeks of a brand new meet? It's it's actually a little bit of both.
1: You know, for me, if if somebody had a really good uh, meet at Del Mar late to meet, um, you know, it will carry over, but in general, and not just uh, Southern California, I like to keep my stats uh, track specific as much as I can, because Mm -hmm. You Know it really, really does make a difference, uh, over the long haul. Um, trainers that excel at Del Mar don't do as well as Santa Anita, and vice versa. So, you know, if you can, you know, I try to keep my stats track specific. Um, you know, I think that's you know, in the long haul, that's the way to go.
0: I, I one of the famous books, I want to say it was even a Dave Litfin book, but they talk about you know talking about surfaces, even and a sloppy track for aqueduct is not the same as a sloppy track at Belmont. And people will take, you know, oh my God, the horse is five for five on sloppy tracks. And it was, you know, out in Chicago and now they're in New York. So he must obviously be the same type of horse. I I feel like nowadays in, in this type of way that we look at horse racing, it's a lot more trainer dependent. We want to find the right spots. And a lot of times you can find a trainer that's hot to start off a meet and you can kind of grind him out for a few weeks. Those couple extra $16 winners don't do bad on the bankroll once you hit that obvious, like, as everyone does, that cold streak.
1: Yeah, and the thing is uh, what I found, Spencer, too, is, you know, when a stable gets hot, uh, they seem to defy, you know, some of the the stats that they may not be so good at. They may not be great at claiming a horse or horses coming off layoffs, for example, or an equipment change. But, you know, a barn gets hot (laughs) – they seem to devise, you know, some of the some of the stats that aren't so good typically for the barn, uh, which is something t- you know to to really pay attention to. Because when they're streaking, they seem to do everything right. And uh, like I said, you know, some of the stats that they wouldn't ordinarily do well with, they can you know uh, come back and surprise you.
0: It's even just in in the basic you know ideas of handicapping and class and speed and form. Like this horse may not be over nine took a three month layoff. Now the barn's hot and all of a sudden comes back with maybe a, a nice close second showing how hot you, you almost want to find the barns that are hot by near misses. And then you can finally get them on the horse that, you know, wasn't a part of the hot streak that comes back off that, you know, three to four month layoff. And cause the barn's running so hot and everything seems to be coming out so well, then that horse with that muddied up form all of a sudden goes off at, you know, five, 10 to one. And that's how you can kind of find your, uh, your hidden gems.
1: Yeah, and then you'll have you know a guy, for example, to be old for sixteen, but he might have you know seven seconds and three thirds, and just hasn't been able to you know for one reason or another, some you know racing luck, or he's just uh, come up short. You know, he's doing really well, but it may not be reflective in the win column as well as something to pay attention to.
0: As I introduced you, we talked about the book training angles from the DRF uh, racing form elements of handicapping. Is there a specific chapter that you still think works really well today, if not all of them? And if you had, you know, let's say a little bit more book space, would there be another chapter now that you would have added to that type of book?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the 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 main four components that have uh, stood the test of times is, uh, I guess you would start off, you know, I'm looking for horses that were claimed first and second off the claim uh, are big for me guys coming off the layoff um is huge you know if so you have a, a you know with somebody that does well first first off an extended layoff or second off an extended layoff um you know another thing which is pretty basic but you know you'd be surprised is the, the whole jockey jockey trainer combo it's something that mm-hmm. sounds very simplistic but I tell you if uh, you know if anything else if you were just to make a list of guys that do well uh jockeys that do well with conditioners at certain tracks um, I go back to the late Ed Bain who who used to be a, a gentleman that was an expert at trainer angles that I actually learned a lot from him. He used to have a, a website called the four plus 30, meaning four, you know, meaning four wins and 30%. And Ed, Ed had some, uh, you know, some of the best stats around, but uh, like I said, I learned, you know, a lot of information from him, but, and then, you know, towards the, towards the end, he also concentrated on, you know, jockey, jockey trainer combos and it'd be, and, I'd say like 75 to 80% of his play just, just came down to that with specific meets with, you know, with jockeys and trainers that do well. And it's, you know, and it just comes down to the basics. You know, when a barn has good intentions, they're going to put the guy guy or gal that they're most comfortable with on. And, you know, and, you know, for people who just start now, you know, I tell them to start there, you know, make a list of you know circuit that you play and pay attention to those jockey trainer combos because it sounds simple, but, Sometimes they, you know, it, it it overlaps every other stat.
0: Ed Bain, one of my favorite chapters in the, in the old school kinky handicapping book, one of my favorite, you know, gems that I have. Uh, I still remember how, how much I didn't have to pay for after seeing what the prices were on Amazon. Finally, one popped up for like 20 bucks, and I was like, yes, please, to that. But you talked about the four four and 30%. I, I think that that matters, and I think when a lot of times if people just use formulator and just went through the card and found, you know, let's say they found four contenders in a race and two of the trainers are, you know, a combined one for 20 in that type of race and angle. And you could toss those, that percentage out of your plays. And now you're down to just two contenders. If you got good enough at that and found horses with the right odds, listen at five to two and you're winning at 30%, you still make a 10% ROI. Like it, it sure. sounds easy, but it's obviously difficult or else there'd be more winning players in the world. And for me, I like to find guys who, as you had said, you know, four wins at least. You've got to find guys who at least win. A, like if they win one time or it's like the small samples of like, you know, one for three and stuff, it doesn't matter. It's, it's such a small sample size. You know, I like to see at least 15 to 20, which I know is still not the biggest sample size, but 15 to 20 starts. If you get four wins in there, OK, now we're starting to, you know really flesh something out that the guy could be good at. And it, all, it comes down to even just breaking it down. Are they good, better turf to dirt, sprint to route? For me, when I'm looking at just regular trainer stats, I like to find the trainers that are better at routing. Because it seems like if the basic trainer can't win sprint races, he's never going to win the route races. It's almost like you have to understand how to crawl before you can walk. And that's what I kind of have always emphasized uh, sprints to routing. you know, And even with turf to dirt, usually... If you're better routing, you're probably going to have better numbers turf to dirt anyway, but every once in a while, I'll find those guys that are just good on dirt and good with routes that don't maybe have the best turf stats, and that's an angle that I I found that works out sometime more back in the day than it does now, but talking about Ed Bain and obviously talking about just those type of numbers, for me, I feel when it comes down to it, and you can obviously add on this as well, Do you have a specific number that you need to like see start wise? Is it 20 starts, 50 starts before it's kind of like with Ed, it was obviously much shorter numbers, I would bet. But what about for you?
1: Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't need to see, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be 20 starts for me. But, you know, like you mentioned, I don't want it to be too small of a number as well. Somewhere, you know, in between. And like I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be 30%. Uh, you know, back in the day, you know, trainers that were clicking at 15 or 20 percent were considered doing very well. Yeah. You know, now, you know, by now standards, they would be average. But, you know, for me, you know, somewhere I used to I used to go on the number 17, 18 percent. Anything over that is kind of kind of where I start to really start to pay attention. And, you know, and I you know, thing is I want to see I want to see three or four wins in a specific category, uh, you know, before I start to really start to pay attention to it. And uh, one of the angles, too, as far as distance that Ed Ed turned me on to as well is trainers that excel at seven furlongs. He always yeah. uh, preached to me that, you know, it's a difficult distance for a lot of horses and certain trainers specialize at that distance. You know, right. and a trainer that can do well at seven furlongs can pretty much do anything. You know, it's something to pay attention to as well. Uh, if You could break down your trainers that just do well at seven furlongs. You'd be surprised at the amount of uh, tickets that you would cash.
0: Let's break down some races. We're going to start with race number two from Santinia from this past Saturday. We're going one mile in the dirt. The class is a 16 to 12, five. Now, where is a three lifetime? And obviously, for me, I kind of feel like the lower the track level, lower track level, lower the class level, uh, the more important sometimes trainer stats are for me. Because when you can find these guys who win with these maiden claimers and low level claimers, that can sometimes be the you know, main factor in handicapping. Like you had talked about with jockey trainer stats that can help you find the winner too. Who cares if they're, you know, 0 for six at the level now under a new, new barn or new ownership. Now all of a sudden they have a guy who's very good at this type of level. That's why they put him in the barn to begin with. For, for me in this race, uh, the one that I ended up coming up with was, was Noble union who unfortunately scratched out, but just some other interesting thoughts in here. I thought the number two never seen before from, Ireland blinkers on first start dirt. A lot of times for me, I'm looking for the horse that has, you know, everyone else seems to have lost on dirt. This one hasn't, you know, three to one, definitely too short for me coming off of a layoff with that level. The six year old number three oncoming. I just kind of thought off the layoff. Uh, It's kind of the same way of getting out of bed in the morning. The older you get, you have the the groans, the creaks you know, I, I want horses that maybe are a little bit younger coming off layoffs like this. Uh, divine Feminine in good form. 0 for 9 at Santanita, though. And if you look overall, you know, 7 underneath finishes and 22 starts with only 2 wins. This one doesn't seem to really want to find the winner's circle. Thought oh great, the other Irish bred in here. 3 for 4 on fast dirt in the money. Was a little bit interesting. Had a, had one number at Pleasanton that kind of made sense. But that was way, way long ago, about 6 or 7 starts. At the end of the day, I kind of ended up passing in this race. Everyone kind of had their problems. If I had to put money on anything, I would have probably have put it on never seen before, but I would have needed a much better price than three to one in the morning line.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's this race to me uh, going in, it was just a you know a complete scramble and you can, you know, like you went through the card here, you can make it, you know, a case for just about any of them, uh, positives and negatives. You know, I, you know, I think I, I wind up going with number three on um, only because he had never been in for that low of a tag before mm-hmm. going back to their, uh, you know, his, his, his three starts on the main track weren't too bad. And as you know, I liked this, you know, more than anything else, I liked his work tab. I thought he had some decent drills. Um, it looked like he still had some, he still had some spunk left in him. And I think i wind up making a uh, number two uh, never seen before uh, as my uh, second pick there, uh, you know, makes his first start to main track today with blinkers. Uh, after twenty one lifetime efforts on grass and synthetic, and uh yeah you know, he was bred to handle the dirt there uh, drops in for class for Ian Hardy off the mini freshening and that was my two horses I was looking at in this race. But like I said, it looked very wide open on paper.
0: I mean, you say wide open then you look at the board three to one, three to one, three to one, four to one, two to one. I mean at the end of the day, someone's got to be favored right and they ended up making top of the game from the inside with Flavian Pratt and Doug O'Neill. Listen, I'm not saying that you know, Pratt takes IRAD money like IRAD takes out there. But sometimes, you know, when you have, you know, Kentucky Derby winning trainer and one of the guys with 20% plus next to the win column there for a jockey, they just kind of end up, well, I don't really like anyone else in this race. This guy likes to win a lot. Maybe that'll be everything that gets me through this. And at the end of the day, off the claim four starts ago, 61, 59, 59, 55, just, I couldn't see where this horse was going. So it, it, for me, it kind of sucked to scratch out of my only play. And then at the end of the day, I kind of ended up having to play never seen before, because when you have vulnerable favorites like this, you kind of almost have to force yourself to play. Cause when you get down to only five horses, by the end of the day, you should try and find the winner more than 20% in the spot. I feel.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, the one, know, one made sense here. Like you said, you know, the Pratt attracts a lot of money and for good reason. And he's an excellent rider. Um, You know, he was making his third start off the bench here. He was adding blinkers, uh, had the rail draw. So you figured he'd be able to save some ground. Uh, Doug O'Neill, obviously, you know, an excellent trainer. Uh, And, you know, going back to the trainer jockey combos, these guys haven't really teamed up a lot, but they've had good success when they have. uh, You know, so he was certainly had a chance uh, amongst this group here for sure.
0: For me, I ended up scratching out of my topic, but I went with never seen before. For Dean, he goes with oncoming. The number three, let's see who gets it done right now.
2: And they're off. Divine Feminine, very quick, top of my game. Never seen before. In between them, moves up to take second. Oh great is on the far outside, and then it's oncoming going down toward the rail. Into the first turn, and top of my game is the leader. Opens up just about a length on Never Seen Before, and down at the rail, it's Divine Feminine third, two and a half or so off the leader. Followed by O'Great in fourth, it's another three to oncoming as they swing on to the backstretch behind Top of My Game, who leads by just about a length still, and Never Seen Before, an in-hand tracking second. They're followed by O'Great. Divine Feminine, stride for stride, just behind the top pair. Another three. Oncoming has trailed throughout, heading to the half-mile pole. And it's top of my game, Flavian Pratt, three parts of a length, never seen before, second a length and a half to Divine Feminine. Then it's great fourth, three lengths off the lead. Oncoming has been at the back every step of the way. Coming to the 3 three-eighth pole, top of my game, a half length in front, never seen before, puts the pressure on now, and never seen before is right up on even terms and puts his nostrils just in front. Top of my game, asked to respond, Divine Feminine swings out three deep, and they're followed by oncoming, taking fourth, oh great, drops out there at the top of the stretch, never seen before, Divine Feminine on the outside, is coming gamely on the outside, and Divine Feminine. Is is up to take the lead coming to the 16th pole, never seen before, and top of my game. It will be divine feminine,
0: and it was D- divine feminine. Eight twenty, the winning mutual, the winning buyer figure is a seventy, and at the end of the day, seventy fits for the for the buyer par. I mean, God, seventy-five finished with a seventy, so like pretty much as we had thought, this race was probably a little bit weaker. And the normal type of N3L here at this spot. Listen, we run second here, you know, at almost four to one for for my pick, your pick, oncoming ended up running fourth. anyone but the winner here really surprised you like from a, a figure stat? No, I
1: mean I think you know the winner had a nice trip, uh you know, he's a nice stalking trip and he really parlayed for oncoming. He was kind of one paced all the way. Didn't really show any, any punch at all on the stretch, uh, no excuses for him at all. But uh, like I said, the the winner had a nice trip um, and he made the best of it. He was drawing off towards the end there.
0: I think as well, when we look through and we see, you know, never seen before first start dirt. And then we see a divine feminine coming off that claiming race. But was in form, you know. What other horse in this has two back-to-back in the money finishes? Yes, wasn't that good at Santanita. Yes, did have more underneath finishes than we'd like to see. But at the end of the day, ended up going up in price to three to one. A lot of these horses, you know, I feel like this is one of those more interesting when you look back on it for a five-horse exact. And listen, the that paid 1820 for a $1 dollar compared to a lot of the other shorter priced winners we had on this card. This one is kind of, you know, sneaky good in a spot where okay, yeah, maybe I'm not going to find the winner, but these horses that are first start dirt with a bunch of other runners that haven't really done well on the surface, these are the ones that you can play underneath. And, you know, you can play two or three others, you know, maybe not in a five-horse field, but a 10-horse field. You can play two others on top, three others on top, and kind of play that weird reverse exotics where you're playing the solo spot in second and playing more winners on top, just in case, you know, this can happen. I mean, 1820 exacta for a dollar here is kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, and then you could say, you know, look it back on Never Seen Before too. The addition of blinkers uh probably helped his guilt. He was up a lot closer than he usually is uh in most of his races on the turf there. Uh he doesn't usually, at least in the last two, three, four starts, didn't show much natural speed. So perhaps the equipment change did really help him to get uh into the race early with Hernandez. And, you know, I thought he ran well, but I just he just couldn't get to the winner, that's for sure. He was, like I said, he was drawing off towards the end and uh divine feminine you know was much the best in here and you know, i wouldn't be overly anxious I, I didn't really see anybody that would i'd want to go back and play mm-hmm. out of this race i don't think anybody had a, a real excuse at all
0: what's one of the next race race number three a another 16 thousand n n3l seven furlongs this time on the dirt we get that super fun distance uh we have double steve knapp horses in here we have everything under the sun it seems I kind of went for a weird move here. I I went for two in here, and I thought a horse like Volin the 5 with the Toria board. Papa Padromo's been terrible so far, over for 18. But I almost wonder with the good form, you know, back-to-back wins. Yes, the barn is absolutely ice cold, but this one was getting wins, obviously, into December at Del Mar. Maybe we could have a spot here where this one, you know, maybe can beat the bad trainer stat in a way. And we're getting a decent price at 5-1 to one on the morning line. The only other one that I came up with was La Paloma Blanca, the one, the, uh, the shorter of the, of the nap horses. Another one that, if you look, has two wins and two board hits and five in his last five starts. Came off the layoff to a win and then an okay third at that $20,000 level. Been favored at both times, so obviously that third looks terrible when you're 4-5. to five. I just when there's always two in the race and we'll talk about it later, you know, I, I just didn't see it enough in the second in the number two court snorts. It's even, you know, contemplate putting this one in. I thought it was going to be a little bit interesting with Vollen and using the number one La Paloma Blanca.
1: Yeah, Spencer, in this race, he's my top pick. Uh, I believe went up the went off going off the two to one favorite. I think he was second choice or third choice in the morning line. Number seven on purpose what Rosario shipping uh, over, you know, from Del Mar back to, back to the Santa Anita surface here. And, you know, he was moving back to the dirt, seven furlongs. You know, I thought he was going to be involved, you know, Rosario an aggressive rider. Uh, you know, I figured he'd be involved close up early and, you know, perhaps on the lead, uh, if not on the lead, he'd be sitting second or third. And I uh, was taking a class drop from 22 fives down to 16 and yeah, he was he, he was my top pick in here, which was the number seven on purpose. Um, didn't have anything tricky uh, or anything I say out of the ordinary. My second pick was number eight, Dancing Dana, uh, who could uh, actually co-topped the field's best last out uh, main track Bayern here, flashing an even fourth off a year layoff, and I thought perhaps he could move forward off this race. Uh, I actually went 7, 8, 1 in here. Like I said, I thought the 7 was going to get a nice forward trip. And uh, that was my top selection.
0: We're going with the 7 on purpose Four Dean. For myself, I'm trying to get the number 1, La Palma Blanca. Or we're going with the 5, or the number 6, sorry, Valin. Let's see who gets it done right
2: now. Sugar Sugar in the center of the course is out for the early lead. On Purpose is right up alongside and now sprinting clear. So it's On Purpose, a length and a half to Dancing Dana in second. Sugar Sugar, who broke on top, is now third. Vulin out in the middle of the racetrack, followed by La Paloma Blanca. Then back on the street, racing between rivals. Down at the rail, Majestic Oops. And at the back, Court Snort. Half mile left to run, On Purpose is the one to catch. Leads it by about three quarters of a length. Dancing Dana, La Paloma Blanca is at the rail. Sugar Sugar and Vulin are fourth and fifth, followed by Majestic Oops back on the street and Court Snort. Eight lengths covers the field. On purpose, Dancing Dana, just a neck away second. Two more, La Paloma Blanca. Sugar, sugar, hard ridden in between horses as they come to the quarter pole. From the back of the field, Court Snort and Majestic Oops trying to make some headway. They turn for home on purpose and Dancing Dana. La Paloma Blanca. Court Snort continues to progress, looking for a spot. One from the outside and coming with a very dangerous bid. And here's Court Snort from last after on purpose. On purpose, Court Snort snort court snort on the outside coming swiftly and court snort from last to first on purpose second and it
0: was court snort getting the job done 69 the winning buyer we're looking at a winning mutual of 18 dollars so one of the longer prices that was on this card and i mean we were talking about it off air now we're going to talk about it here when there's two in the race why would a trainer have two in the race well obviously because they both fit in this one and i had the wrong nap horse
1: yeah, I mean, uh, Court Snort made up a lot of ground late. You know, he got uh, kind of uh, kind of opened up for him. He split horses and closed well. Um, you know, no excuses for my own purpose. I thought he ran really well actually uh, to run second there. Uh, I thought it was a sharp second. You know, he got run down late, but uh, you know, in an, an all intents and purposes, he ran. You know, he ran very well in this spot. But um, it was you know Court Snort who, if you look back to back going a mile. Uh, Kind of did the same thing off the pace and went by a half a length. Came back to uh, the main track here at Santa Anita and he uh, kind of did this, you know, a similar thing here, coming from off the pace and ran him down again.
0: This is one of those races, too, where everyone who bets the favorite gets, you know, pissed off, upset they lose. Sometimes a, a favorite can run second, and, like you had said, still look good. And I thought this race was very good for on purpose. Listen, doesn't get the job done. Should you start taking horses like this? You know, was obviously going turf to dirt, you know, had very limited starts in the dirt, you know, four starts, five starts now compared to seven. I I just wonder now, you know, are they going to keep this one on the dirt? Do they go to the turf? This one, I think if they keep on the dirt shows a little bit extra, you know, I would much rather see him on the dirt next time or her on the dirt next time than on the turf. Cause that'll show that the trainer kind of understands now what they want to do with this one. So I thought a really good and solid second. I mean, my two runners, listen, finished, you know, fifth and sixth. Volin just, you know, obviously Papa Padromo, just not having the best meat. And this will kind of answer that for me. You kind of take your one shot at what you hope is going to be a good price. Ended up. It wasn't at three to one, but when you have the ticket in already kind of can't fix that. So uh, pop-up a drama for me is probably going to be off of uh, off my Christmas list for the for the going forward and future. And listen, you know when uh, the other Snap Horse wins, you know, and one runs up the board, obviously just didn't have the right one. They both went off around the same price, eight to one, and you know six and a half to one. And you know we just kind of move on from this and we get back on the uh, on the handicapping train. We're going to continue now with race number six. This will be our final race of the pod. State bred optional 20 N one X six and a half on the dirt. We're doing all the crazy distances tonight. What are we liking this one, Dean?
1: But I, uh, I went to the, you know, uh, the favorite in here, which I believe was minister Shane. Uh, I just, I just thought this horse, uh, you know, if you look at it back at his, uh, his number two back his 89 buyer back on November 12th, which is, it was first start off the bench was just simply superior to this rest of this group in here. And I just, I just figured if this gelding had run back to that number, he was, was going to be tough. Uh, he was making his third start off the form cycle, you know, going back to our hot and cold trainers, uh, Carla Gaines was 0 and 9 in here. And I think uh, she wound up going 0 for 13 for the, you know, the rest of this weekend here. I, I, but I, I, anyway, this is, you know, this is my top selection in here. You know, I really thought the third form of the cycle if he can run back to the 89, he was going to be tough in this spot. And that's that's where my top pick was. Underneath, uh, I used the uh, seven bags gold, returned to San Anito off the mini freshening for Bob Hess. Um, and the gelding had run well over this course in the past. He's consistent, uh consistent five-year-old to hit the board in all three turf tries. And you know, that, that was my second choice. And then I think I used a five underneath as well. El Rey Dorado, who was in sharp four and having won two straight and then figured to get another close-up trip in here. So it was it was 3.75 for me.
0: Now, with obviously Carla, you know, you said finishes 0 for 13 for the week. Are, are you done with Carla going forward, or do you think this is going to be one where you're going to start betting a little bit more? Because you know where, you know, obviously she can get the job done and get winners, but like at what price point now do we have to look for these horses, 8, 12 to 1, somewhere in there? Yeah, I mean, she's, you know, she's a, she's a, a trainer, too, that she
1: could be, you know, streaky. But, you know, now now that, she, you know, she seems to be off to a slow start in this winter meet, uh, you know, I, I would really stay, I'd stay away from her until I see a win or two. Um, I, I don't really like, obviously, the direction that she's going. Her barn's been very uh, slow to get started here. And, you know, she would probably be a bet against me until I could see her get back into the winter circle. Because, you know, I've seen her go on these, these losing streaks before and, you know, she can get real cold and then she can get real hot and string together two or three wins over a weekend. So, but, you know, until she gets back in the winner's circle, it's kind of the thing where, you know, I wouldn't take too short of a price. Like I said, if she's, you know, seven, eight to one, and it's a horse that figures, I may dip in a little bit, but, you know, um, the fact that she's been cold, I'd I'd kind of stick away from her until she can prove to me that, uh, you know, that the barn's back on track.
0: Since I missed in race three with two, I thought I'd go right back to the well here in race six. I thought the number five, El Rey Dorado for Ruiz coming out of these two races, improving buyer figure 68 to a 75. Sometimes when these horses, you know, they just it's the light bulb angle. They win, then they win again. And they're like, I think I kind of like doing this. And, you know, for this one to have improved the buyer as well. I thought this one kind of fit in well. We already talked about your top pick, Minister Shane coming, you know, off that last turf start. If this one runs back to the A9, I'm probably running for second. But, I mean, just even three back to 69, this one I felt for me has that one big figure and then, you know, has a couple of other high 70s, but never really got into like the low mid-80s. I could show me if they drop a little bit, it's not going to be a, a huge drop. Um, I thought Buck Owens, number eight, Hector Barrio, six to one. This one, if you take away the two turf races and take out the quarter horse race four for four in the money. The last four, yes is one for 16, but at this type of price at eight to one, another one with these low 70 buyers. If I think that Manchester Chain is not going to run in the eighties this, this time, which I didn't, I think that, a, you know, a 70 and somewhere gets it done there. And with these two, they've ran in that number. And with those two, I'm just going to have to, you know, make just hope that that's where the winning number will be. So for me, it was Buck Owens and El Ray Dorado. It's going to be Minister Shane. Let's see who gets it done here in the 6th at Santa Anita right now.
2: And they're off. Bags Gold and Minister Shane break very swiftly together. El Rey Dorado is in between them in the green silks. They're followed by Jamming Eddie in fourth. Another three back to Buck Owens and Fly the Sky. Down the backstretch, El El Rey Dorado. Now takes over three quarters of a length to the good of Bags Gold second. Then it's Minister Shane, joined by Jamming Eddie, who's kicking through along the inside all the way to take second. Four back to fly the sky, and outside of him it's Buck Owens. Less than a half mile to travel, and El Ray Dorado has been passed by Jamming Eddie. Jamming Eddie, the new leader at the 3 8th pole. El Ray Dorado ahead back second. Bags Gold right there in the thick of it, three deep in third. Three more Minister Shane is in fourth, followed by Buck Owens, and Fly the Sky. They have a quarter of a mile to go. Bags Gold with a three wide bid after Jamming Eddie, El Ray Dorado. Jamming Eddie hugs the rail and goes on. Three back to Minister Shane in fourth. Buck Owens trying to rally from behind. They're coming to the 16th bow. Jamming Eddie and Bags Gold. Jamming Eddie a half length. Now it's a length on Bags Gold, and Jamming eddie a huge performance under giovanni franco wins it by two
0: and it is jamming eddie with a 91 that gets the job done the winning mutual 1860 so we kind of talked about the two biggest winners on the card i, I look back at this one for uh Baraccio, and i see four declining buyers even though two were on the turf and i will just they could run around a hundred more times and not picking this horse
1: I, I got to say, I think this was out of out of the uh, I guess it was three. I guess it was a four day weekend. I think this was probably the better efforts that I've seen <laughs> for any horse run. And I don't know where this effort came from, but it was huge. I mean, this horse uh, got into, you know, took the lead in a it was a what, 44 <laughs> 44 half and battled on in 109 and 3 and was as game as could be at the wire. Like i said an ultra impressive effort for this eight-year-old Gelding. Like I said, I'm not sure where this performance came from, but it it was it was
0: extremely sharp. This just feels to me like next time out, big time bounce. We'll also have to see where this one ends up. Obviously, state bred optional in one X. But the other thing, too, that I also realized only one the only horse I was in for a tag, so obviously it already. Uh, broken this, this allowance level in for a tag. I understand had been racing in these like claiming races for 25, which the state bread, this is where obviously the class levels come into, into, you know, the condition book. I, you're not going to tell me that an optional N1 X for the state breads is that much tougher than open 25. I just, I can't see it out there, especially with how many horses have moved in and out of Southern California. So how this one goes from a 66 to a 91. And listen, this, this is why pick 5s and pick 6s are just so hard on the bankroll for people when they bring, you know, whatever it is, 200 to a meet or 200 to for a day at the races and they put 80 of it or 100 of it in the pick 5 and they lose to horses like this. If you look through the rest of the card, a couple long shot winners, mostly chalky favorites, but this is the type of horse that has no form and just pops and listen, you know, if if it's just pierce the sixes. If you break it down out of a hundred races or out of a weekend of card, let's say that's 30 races, 10, races a day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're going to have one or two of these runners that just pop like this. And it just have to kind of hang your head, be like, okay, I'm just never going to have this horse and move on. And hopefully. Yeah. I mean, if,
1: uh, yeah. you know, if you look at this geldings, even if you go back to the turf races back in October, um, say October 27th, he ran, an 80 buyer in the turf, you know, I know turf and dirt buyers are the same, but he buyers were just going down. He went from an 80 to a 79 to a 75 (laughs) to a 66 beating double digits last time (laughs) to turn that around to, to run what he ran here. Would you say a 90 or 91, 91. just an incredible improvement. And I can't see why, I I mean, um, perhaps I'll have to go back and see if there was a bias of some sort on the rail. I'm not, you know, I didn't really take a closer look at that, but, I mean, you're talking about a 30 point bump here uh, in buyer figure, which is, you know, for an eight year old gelding, it's unheard of. You know, it really is for a horse that's as has 51 lifetime starts to improve uh, a number like that, which I believe was looking back, I believe was a career, a career best buyer, um, at least on the main track anyway, for sure.
0: Yeah. uh, You know,
1: um, like I said, I don't know where this performance came from. It's one of those things, like you said, you just toss it up as one of these results where you know you really can't go back and um, I guess you could say educate yourself because I there's I don't really think we missed anything with this horse. It was just a performance that came out of nowhere.
0: And, and listen, you know, this is it's the same thing when you look at just sports betting in general. Why on certain nights do, do a team? You know, I, I've watched a lot of basketball in my life. Now we got teams losing by fifty points on a night in basketball. The, the, this year in the NBA, not, not to switch tax and go from sports to horses, but I, I think too, like over a 10 race card. And like we had said, pick sixes, pick fives. This is why, you know, you have to have the bankroll for it. If you play pick fives, you know, every single day for a meet, let's say it's, you know, whatever Santa meat meet is for, for, for the winter time here. If you hit four or five out of however many days, let's call it 60, those four or five hits need to, you know, equal what you're going to lose these other you know 40 days of a meet like it's it's just so hard to when you have horses like this and listen at the end of the day 1860 probably an underlay when you look at this yeah, horse's just, form I, I was
1: just gonna add that Spencer I think if I if I had had this horse I kind of I think I'd be a little disappointed with that price. I, I think he never mind eight to one I thought he should be about 18 19 to one in yeah. my opinion even yeah. though he was six to one morning line and I know it was a six horse feel But still, I I just like you you just said, I thought eight to one was (laughs) somewhat of an underlay for sure.
0: Ends up beating a couple horses in that five to two range. Obviously, your horse, Minister Shane, going off the favorite. Anything from Minister Shane? Obviously, listen, he dropped a little a nine to an 84. You know, that's the kind of race that, you know, I didn't know if he had that where he could only could drop three or four points. This time he did. You know, my two L. El Ray Dorado's 83 and a 76 for Buck Owen. So I was nowhere near the prize in this race. I think at the end of the day, if you just take out Jamming Eddie, you know, if you listen, you can write notes and formulator guys don't know where this race came from. You almost have to just say bounce for the winner next time out and look at this race as bags, golden minister, Shane, in a way. Yeah, I mean,
1: I mean, yeah, outside of that uh, crazy performance from Jamming Eddie, which I don't know, like you said, where it came from. But Golden and Minister Shane, I think, ran their races here. Uh, you know, uh, my selection, he came out, he angled out in the forepath on the turn there, and he, he just wasn't getting close to that winner there with that performance. And I don't think, it, you know, you can say anything bad about Bags Gold and Minister Shane. Like, they, they ran well, but they were just, you know, the one horse was just in his own league there today. I mean, that's for sure.
0: And... Now with us coming to the end of the podcast, training angles, what we've talked about, is there any, you know, tips or hints or ideas you can give, you know, maybe our newbie handicappers listening to this on, you know, where they can look for stuff for Santa Anita, obviously, in the Money Players podcast, we have stuff from you every single weekday. Uh, Any other stuff that you have that, you know, maybe, maybe it's free or very, you know, where people can just start making their own notes in their own notepads, et cetera. What, what, give some tips and hints for the, uh, for the people listening.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I I would highly recommend the formulator program for, for someone that wants to start getting into the, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of trainer angles and getting going through the stats and uh, you know, trying to uncover some nuggets that, you know, the main thing is, Stuff that's, you know, printed, I guess my best advice for somebody starting out, some of the stats printed in the form, you know, under the trainer stat uh, section there aren't necessarily true for the specific track that you're looking at. And, you know, for example, you could see uh, a trainer that's first-time starters that may be, you know, 20% or 25% and looks good, and then you do a track-specific track specific and that may be at Del Mar. It may not be at Santa Anita. Or you know, if you're play, you know playing the, for example, the, the Naira circuit, you know, as opposed to Saratoga or Aqueduct, a lot of the stats that that show up there look good, you know, uh, for a Pacific horse. But when you start to go into Formulator and you do some, uh, you know, the filters, they may not be as as good as they appear. And the other thing too is, um, you know, the Formulator, the program is great. I recommend it to anyone that doesn't you know ha- hasn't looked at it yet there's a lot of tutorials you could go on there and it shows you how the whole program works but it, you know you're able to go down you know inside a, a trainer's record and filter the stats and you know some of the some of the nuggets that you'll you'll uncover track specific like i i've I mentioned earlier you know in the podcast is important to to narrow it down to you know where you're at whether it's delmar saninator or somewhere else uh, you know, I like to look for that because they they do change from you know from circuit to circuit. You know, you'd be surprised. Um, so you want to concentrate on that. And, and like I said, take take some of the stats that you see published in the PPS. You know, with the grain of salt. Sometimes they're not as good as they appear, and uh, you know, sometimes they're better than they appear. And you, you, the whole thing about this, you know, this era of information is, you know, a lot of people have a lot of stuff now that they didn't have even 10 or 15 years ago. So, you know, anything that you could do to give yourself an edge, uh, people may not, you know, be lazy and don't want to do the work and uncover some of that, some of those stats. So, uh, you know, I would go into the formulator program, start looking at that, uh, playing around with that. And I think you could, uh, you know, you could help your, help your uh, ROI for sure, just by starting there.
0: Yeah. I think it's just absolutely great advice. And with that advice, we are going to come to an end with this latest edition of red Bull rewind. I do want to thank my special guest, Dean Kepler for coming on, talking all things, trainer stats and Southern California. Dean, what have we got in the pipeline here for in the money, anything going on this weekend?
1: No, I took a look at the, you know, Friday card, which had an eight race card. And I think Saturdays is up there as well. And uh, like I said, I, uh, anybody that's uh wants to take a look at my stuff. It's you know available every live racing day at uh in the money media and I uh do a analysis in there try to throw in some trainer stats uh when I can during the during the analysis and um I want to encourage people to take a look at that and I you know I think you can find some winners along the way.
0: Thank you so much for coming on really appreciate it.
1: Thanks Spencer appreciate it too. Good to see you.
0: to listen to this podcast and the rest of the podcast on the in the money media network also want to thank my special guest, Dean Kepler, for coming on, talking all things Southern California with me. This show is my production of In the Money Media. In the Money Media's president is Peter Thomas Warnatow, our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kenshin, and our In the Money Media business manager is Drew Coatney. I'm Spencer Loganbuehl. We will see you next time.